Thank you, Jesus. Let's just begin to praise his name and give him some glory for what he has done already in this service here today. In Jesus' name, we magnify you and glorify your wonderful name. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, I believe that you are in this building, but you are also in every household that is here tonight. And Jesus, it is through you that we are going to be strengthened and call out every single one of these prayer requests, knowing that you will reach them in Jesus' name. Before I begin to call out some of these, I want to give you another testimony. Last week, I spoke to you of a pastor or a man uh, who used to be a missionary, Brother Reed, and he was raised from uh, this, this state of consciousness and, and death is basically what his wife said and he is doing very well and incredible during these times down in Casper so we are thankful for that in Jesus name but one testimony I want to give to you is the man that was leading that worship song that last one that we watched his name is Anthony Trimble and I would encourage you to go look up his music it's incredible just amazing pieces but five years ago he was diagnosed with a cancer that only 14% of people will ever survive and I remember that we went to this conference it was about four years ago and, and he was standing there and he was singing and leading worship just as you saw in that video and I mean it was just powerful God was moving and doing incredible things and you could tell that he was tired and worn down but he was still wanting to continue the fight and go on forward because he knew that God could richly impact his life and so we came up behind him and we laid hands on him and we prayed that God would keep him that God would continue to allow him to minister through his music and through the things that he was doing during that particular time and we are thankful to say that today he is one of those 14 percent that has made it through that cancer in Jesus name and God has kept him to continue leading worship as you have seen in that video in Jesus name so there is nothing that is impossible for our God here tonight there is no situation that is impossible for him to touch here tonight in Jesus name and so we have the Carnahans who we need to pray for our pastor and his wife as they traveled to Iowa and have attended a funeral today. We have Sister Barb, who has also lost a family member that we want to pray for and, and seek God's face for, for comfort in that family in Jesus' name. Brother Carlos says that we want to pray for Matt, who is looking for a place to live, for Pastor and his family, for Barb and her family. We're going to pray for these tonight in Jesus name and believe that God can touch every one of these circumstances in each one of you inside of your household in Jesus name so let's lift our hands let's begin to cry out to him and believe him in faith tonight that he will touch and reach these circumstances in Jesus name Lord just as these testimonies that have came before us we believe in your authority of your name, that if we speak these things out, God, they go into your heavenly kingdom, and Jesus, that you can reach these circumstances greater than we could ever think of inside of every one of them, Jesus. I believe that you can reach the lost, those who have never experienced you, God, those who have not felt your presence, God, that even in the midst of tragedy, there can be greatness that comes as a result of it, Lord. I pray that you would draw these hungry unto you, God, that you would reach those that are inside of, of, of troublesome times right now God Lord those who are feeling discouraged and, and just depressed and burdensome during this time Lord that you would reach into their household and you would begin to lift them up with your joy and your peace right now Lord that it is through you and your authority that we believe you are omnipresent everywhere at once and Jesus right now you can speak to every place that is inside of this world and this earth and right now God we put the spotlight on you and we give you the glory in the praise for what you are going to do in Jesus name if you believe that with me then let's begin to praise and clap our hands unto him and give him glory for who he is in Jesus name God we thank you hallelujah Jesus we praise your mighty name God we give you the glory and the honor hallelujah Jesus we exalt you and praise your wonderful name hallelujah hallelujah Jesus Thank you, God. Thank you, God. In Jesus' wonderful name. Again, thank you for being here. You can be seated inside of your household tonight. I'm believing that God is going to do some great things. There's just been so much of a presence of his inside of this room and inside of this church and inside of your households in, in Jesus' name. And so I'm believing that that will continue forward. And so if you do not have the booklet, the guide, you can certainly go to the website, GilletteAbundantLife.com. 
and look that up. If it, if it brings up a security message, you just got to click a couple of the buttons down below to get through. And then once you get on the website, I think it's under the events tab that you go to download this. But if you want to follow along, you can certainly go there to download the study guide and, and go forward from there in Jesus' name. And so we're believing for God to do some incredible things. Just another brief testimony that I want to give to you. Uh, you know, I've, I've been talking to you about the California churches and friends that I have there that have been restricted by the governor. Um, they've left strip clubs open, but they have closed churches because for some reason they think that strip clubs are more essential than churches. And it's just, we, we, there was a time in my life when I thought that this stuff could never happen, that I was like, it's not going to be in my lifetime because that's a long ways down the road. But it's here and it's alive and it's well and it's happening. And so um, one of the churches there have taking, uh, taken uh, the government of California to a lawsuit saying that if you're going to open these other places and keep churches closed, then, then you need to let us open back up because it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And so um, they, they, they have been uh, contesting this and contesting it and have lost a couple times. But thankfully, they, they are close to a conclusion uh, in the fact that it went up to uh, the Supreme Court over that area. And uh, that Supreme Court said that the national Supreme Court has ruled in favor of churches, so they pushed it back down and said that the lower courts needed to reconsider their decision on that in reference to what has happened recently. And so as a result, it is looking very favorable that the churches will be allowed to open a, again in California and to uh, see some incredible things happen. So we're going to trust in that and believe and pray for that and, and uh, trust that God can do that for us as well in Jesus' name. Just a couple Quick things on that note, I know that Wyoming has recently uh, instituted a mask mandate that anywhere in a public place you are supposed to wear a mask. It's, it's required by law at this current point in time and all of that sort of stuff. And so um, if we're out in public, we're supposed to wear masks. So this uh, doesn't necessarily affect our church because that's what we have been doing. Uh, we, we've been wearing masks when we come to church, and so I would encourage you that as you continue coming to church to wear your mask when you're seated, uh, and if you're six feet away from people, you can take your mask off inside of that sense there. Um, but one thing that I wanted to bring out, just a point of wisdom inside of this, is, is because we, we got to be so careful during this time. We are Christians. We are part of the kingdom of God. And so scripture tells us that we need to listen and obey our government. Those people who want to go out there and fight this mask thing and create lawsuits and all that sort of stuff, they can go all for it. I'm not going to have a part of that. I don't necessarily agree with masks, but I will absolutely wear a mask if my government is asking me to do so. Why? Because my scripture has told me to obey and listen to the government and the authority that is inside of my life as long as it does not violate scripture, which wearing a mask does not violate scripture. So the reason that I am not going to go out there and put up a fight and battle people about wearing a mask is because it's not violating scripture, so I'm going to listen to my government, and I'm going to be subjective to what they are saying. There's bigger and badder fights to fight later on in prayer inside of the prayer room against spiritual darknesses that are a whole lot more present than mass upon our faces. And so I just say that tonight as a word of caution for any of you. I don't know. I'm not picking on anybody. I'm not saying that anybody here is feeling that way, but I am just saying that you should listen to the government, that you should choose which fights you are going to fight and decide to fight spiritual battles more so than maybe some of these physical things that are going on around us. Because believe me, Satan's not going to uh, be, Satan is not the reason that we have to wear masks inside of Wyoming. That's not what it is. And so don't fight that. Don't, don't just push that aside and listen to the government and continue forward in Jesus' name. Along with that, we have our candlelight service at the end of this month. And uh, just as a word of, of reference to that, we are still moving forward with that. However, we have discussed how we likely will not be able to fit everybody inside of the sanctuary if we have the same numbers as what we had last year. And so uh, we would ask that if you are a church member, if you have been coming for a while, that you would be one of the first people to potentially move to the back area should we need more room in this front area out here in Jesus' name. It's going to be a good time. And we're going to trust God for, for some great things in the midst of that, but we will have plenty of room set up in the back and out front here so that we can worship Jesus together and glorify his name. Because thankfully in Wyoming, they have excluded churches from uh, the, the number restriction. They haven't excluded us from the mask thing, but they've excluded us from the number rule. So we are looking good, and I'm thankful for that in Jesus' name. But enough introduction, enough preliminaries. It's time to get into the Bible study and begin to 
search out what God wants us to search out tonight in Jesus' name. I'm excited about this lesson. There's a lot of depth to it, and I think it will impact you all and show you how the entire Bible is really speaking about Jesus Christ. It's the gospel, the good news of who he is, and how even the Old Testament stories that sometimes we read and we speak about, and we're like, man, you know, it was great for those people back then, but it doesn't apply for me today. I think that this lesson will show you that inside of every Old Testament story, there is a revelation of who Jesus is and how he desires to impact every one of our lives. So even thousands of years before God was uh, enrobed himself in flesh and came to this world, we see that he was trying to reach for humanity. And I am thankful for that. And I believe that you all are in that same boat tonight in Jesus' name. Can you say amen inside of your household? Yes, I believe that you said that here tonight with me. So our scripture tonight, we're talking about our position in Christ, but Ephesians 2, 19 through 20, it says this, Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints of the household of God. And you are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. If you did not listen to last week's message, I would encourage you to go back and to listen to that in Jesus' name. We spoke about how we are part of a royal family, and as being part of a royal family, we are meant to act differently, just as royal families in the current world do so. But this scripture continues to add upon that, saying that we don't have to worry about being strangers in this land. We don't have to be worry about being foreigners. And so if there's somebody here tonight that maybe you are feeling alone or you are feeling that you have never had a family or you are feeling that you have never been able to experience Jesus Christ before, tonight is your night because I am telling you that you do not have to be a stranger anymore. You can come meet me this Sunday morning or text me on the live stream and I will get in contact with you. But you can become a part of this big family in this household tonight where we as fellow citizens with saints in the household of God come together not only inside of these four walls but around the entire world. There are people who are glorifying and worshiping God like never before. And the cool thing about that is that we are built upon a foundation that no matter what battles we begin to face, no matter what trials we begin to come up against, no matter what issues are around us, that foundation is not going to crumble. We are built upon a foundation that is very sure and very strong, and it has lasted from the beginning of the world and has not crumbled once. So you are in the right place. You are in a good place tonight. And for the saints of God who have experienced that before, I'm telling you that, man, we were once strangers and foreigners, but tonight we are fellow citizens together in the kingdom of God. Let me bring a story to you to introduce this to you tonight. It says, evening had arrived and she was at home. Hers had been a long, hard life up until this point. She had not made the best decisions, but she held out hope that life would get better for her someday. She lived in a bustling city that had been highly urbanized. Perhaps she had chosen this place because of all the advancements and achievements for which it had been known. Her home was securely situated in one of the city walls. Her family hadn't thrived the way other families did, but she managed to build a decent home. Recently, rumors had been rapidly spreading throughout the city. People who, once, who, who were once slaves in Egypt and whose God had parted the Red Sea, allowing them to escape on dry ground, were camping not too far from the city. Stories of how they had defeated many neighboring kings circulated, and rumor had it that they were on the way for her town. Fear was becoming contagious. She knew that they were coming, and she felt nothing would stop them from taking what they wanted. The God they served had proven repeatedly that he was clearly the God of heaven and earth. Suddenly, there was a knock on her door. No sooner had she opened the door than two men barged inside. Though they were strangers, she felt a strange familiarity. These are some of the men I've been hearing about, she thought. Her heart was racing, and moments later she heard the loud clamor of soldiers moving closer to her home. She told the men to hide. This was her moment, her one chance 
for survival. In a moment of desperation, she bargained with the only thing she had left, her life. Inside, she felt their God had already given the city to these people. She pleaded with them to spare the lives of her and her family, and all she was asking for was simply survival. This is how we are introduced to Rahab in Joshua chapter 2. By seeking salvation through the help of the people of God, Rahab's actions are a precursor to our own salvation by faith in Jesus. In this lesson, we will see what it was like for her and for us to be a foreigner to God. And we will see the great blessings and responsibilities that come with our inclusion inside of the kingdom of God. Is anyone thankful to be a part of the kingdom of God tonight? Is anybody excited that you have found a foundation to stand upon in the midst of trying times? Is anybody thankful that like Rahab, you saw the things coming and the signs that were around you, and it has been so clearly revealed to you now that you can say, I am no longer a foreigner, but I am a part of the kingdom of God. This story tonight will draw you into it and show you that our God is absolutely here for every one of us. But even though we can rejoice and be in these moments, I want you for a second to imagine what it would be like to find yourself completely outside of the blessings of God. Although your mindset might be excited and fired up about the kingdom of God right now, I want you to take yourself for a second and imagine completely outside, being completely outside of the blessings of God. No church, no prayer life, no hope, no desire to complete anything. Wondering what is going to happen the next day or what might happen at the experience of death. Put yourself in this situation as we continue through the beginning part of this story. It says on the screen there that for as strangers to God's family, we were lost in every way. As strangers to God's family, we were lost in every single way. The Jews were the people that were God's chosen people inside of the Old Testament of Scripture. They were the ones that God spoke to. They were the ones that were delivered from Egypt. The ones who were meant to serve him for a long lifetime. And throughout the scriptures, we see over and over and over again that God blesses the Jewish people over and over and over again. But it's only a few times inside of the Old Testament that we see people who would be considered Gentiles. And simply put, a Gentile would be somebody who is not a Jew inside of that those scriptures there. Somebody who is not a Jew. So if you want to reference it, you and I are Gentiles unless you're of a Jewish descendant because we are not Jews. We are not those people who were clearly being spoken to by God inside of the Old Testament. Another way to think about the Gentiles is that they were a people without or outside of God's promise through so many of these scriptures. You see, the Jewish people viewed Gentiles like you and I, or people outside of their culture, as a hopeless people. As people who had no hope of going to heaven one day. As people who had no hope of a God coming alongside of them and fighting their battles for them. As a people who could not be delivered from Egypt because they had no God who could deliver them from Egypt inside of these places. The Jewish people viewed Gentiles completely different and foreign from who they were. But the Jewish people made a mistake because it was not God's original intention for just the Jewish to be the ones who could see his salvation or the ones who could feel and experience his for whatever reason the computer completely shut off um i don't know i walked back there and it was restarting itself so i have no clue what that was about in jesus name but we will trust that god will continue to let our live stream uh, continue forward in jesus name so i'm going to continue up from where i had left off that israel was hiding the things of god from the rest of the world. They did not want this Messiah 
to be known to the rest of the world. They had no desire for anybody else to know or experience the things that they were experiencing themselves in Jesus' name. And so as a result, this begins to resound very true. That as strangers to God's family, we are lost in every way. We are lost in every way. If we continue to the next point, we see that as strangers to God, we are without hope. With strange, being strangers to God, we are without hope. Scripture says this, that hopelessness, it stems from being without God in the world. The scripture there says that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God inside of the world. It begins to become depressing and overwhelming when you begin to think about the state that we once were in, in the state that so many people are in inside of this world without hope, not knowing where to go, not knowing what to seek or where they can go to find relief or hope or desire inside of this world. It begins to put a desire inside of you that says, man, I want to reach somebody. But you see these Gentiles in the scripture, they were the walking Breathing, living definition of hopelessness. They were ignorant to the ways of God, His promises, and even His word. And because they lacked hope, they viewed life as a cycle. That they were going to continue to go through this cycle. I have struggles today. I'm going to get up tomorrow and just continue to struggle. There's no hope. There's no point. I'm just going to continue going through these cycles over and over and over again. They had to face life in all of its cruelty alone with nobody there to comfort them. And even if they had family to say, well, things are going to look up and get better, they still had no future, no hope, no God, nobody to serve because they had not been taught this before. And so we see that as strangers to God, we had no ability to help ourselves. I don't know if this begins to resound true inside of your life. And you begin to think about the place that you were once standing. The environment that you were once in before you found the kingdom of God. But these people here, we see that even though they had no hope in a spiritual aspect or no hope in a God, that they coveted to be a part of of Roman citizenship. That as the Roman Empire began to come and take over these different places of the world, they had a desire to become a part of the citizenship because it meant so much for their families. That if they were a Roman citizen, they could get households and they can begin to, to have a part of, of the, the, the family there inside of this, this country. And, and you would be able to, to have you know, health insurance and different stuff if you put it in today's modern terms. But you become a part of the citizenship to see great things happen inside of your life. And this still happens today that all across the world we see nations and people who do not have hope, people who are desperate for something that is more inside of their lives. And so they begin to seek citizenship in various countries. And maybe even some people here tonight have done so with America. That, that there's a lot of people who look to America and they see what they can have a part of. And so they decide to pick up their entire family and move them to a country like the United States so that they can have the benefits of being a citizen inside of that country, the freedoms that we so easily enjoy, the supermarkets, the clean roads, the places. I think of that all the time when I'm driving down these streets and these roads, even in the most remote places of our county that you're driving down and there's still a paved road right through the middle of the county. I'm thinking, my goodness, this is just crazy. But I've been inside of countries that, man, you're driving down the road and you can barely sit inside of the car because it wants to bounce you out from how rough the road is and, and these different things just to think how privileged and blessed we are to be a part of the citizenship. But it's amazing because citizenship not only holds promises for that person, but also for that person's family. You see, we may have covet, coveted, we may have people who covet a citizenship inside of our current world, but how much more so should we covet a citizenship in the kingdom 
of God. How much more so should we say, man, this is great down here, but I desire something that puts hope inside of my life. I desire something that's going to go on for all of eternity. I desire to be a part of something that, man, when I am down and out, I don't have to be alone, but I can know and understand that God can be right there with me in the midst of that. Tonight, you don't have to be a stranger to this kingdom anymore. And if you are a part of this kingdom, then you can rejoice that you are no longer on the outskirts or being a stranger out there saying, man, I desire to be in the midst of that or in part of the kingdom of God. You see, as strangers to God, we have no ability to help ourselves even in the midst of all of this. But God begins to give us things and says, man, you can pick up these pieces. You can be baptized. You can receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You can see right through some of these circumstances and begin to feel a hope in your life like you have never felt before. It's what the Christmas season is about, a birth of a Savior that came to this world and begins to show us so many different benefits in Jesus' name. You see, for us, our new citizenship provides us great benefits. It begins to provide us incredible benefits that we have never had before. That even being a United States citizen, we have never been able to tap into some of these benefits before in Jesus' name. We see the kingdom of God is greater than any nation or country that we have here on this earth. And I am thankful that there are no politics in the kingdom of God, that there are no diseases in the kingdom of God that I have to begin to worry about, that there is no more hunger or tears that I have to begin to worry about. Come on now, we can begin to rejoice and get excited about that and say, man, I am part of a kingdom that is incredible. I'm not saying we're not going to face those things while we're down here, that we're not going to be hungry sometimes and face some challenges inside of our lives, but we still have a hope looking on saying, man, you know what? COVID may sweep through here and I may pass away, but there is still a glory land that I get to participate in if that happens in Jesus' name. We don't want to be strangers in the midst of all of this. And so we see in this story in the Old Testament that Rahab looked to the people of God and understood the value of citizenship in the kingdom of God. There are people, and I have said this many times before, who are watching you. They're watching your nationality. And I'm not talking about just being an American. I'm talking about your nationality inside of the church. And that as you begin to show them that there is a kingdom that they can live a part of where, man, drug addicts can completely be delivered. People who are addicted to alcohol can begin to dismiss that and never touch it again. That people who have physical ailments and were facing death and knocking on death's doorstep have been delivered from, from and healed inside of these diseases. When they begin to see your nation and the citizenship that you have as a part of that, then my goodness, you can begin to show them some incredible parts of this kingdom of God that they do not have to be strangers in the land. And so Rahab was exactly this. She heard the rumors of the people of God. She heard the rumors of what was going on inside of their church services. She heard the rumors of what their God was like. But unfortunately, because of those people being so locked up prior to this, she wasn't able to actively participate as a Gentile. And so at that time, the people of God did not have a land of their own. And so these Israelites that were going around, these Jewish people were wandering and they could not camp, set up camp in particular places because they had no refuge or no place where they could call their own. But you see, Rahab was seeking. Rahab was wondering. She had heard the rumors of how crazy their worship services get sometimes. She had heard the rumors of speaking in tongues. She had heard the rumors of what it was like to be baptized in Jesus' name and come out of the water refreshed. I understand I'm feeding into this story here today. But there's Rahabs around us. They're hearing the stories. They're seeing the apostolic church stand strong in the midst of turmoil. They're seeing people who are desiring this kingdom citizenship. And as a result, they're desiring a relationship with God as well. For us, our new citizenship, we see that it comes through faith. Rahab was in a place where she was without hope. 
There was no hope for her and her family that were going to be destroyed by this nation that was coming through. They were listening to God and destroying these cities that God had told them to destroy. But Rahab was without hope because she did not know what was going to happen. And so she decided on a last note to plead with these two spies who had came into her household and ask them, is there any way that I can have a part of your citizenship? Is there any way that I can find your God who has sent you here? Is there any way I can participate in this? Rahab didn't become intimidated to the point where she just locked up and said, man, these, I don't want to be a part of church or part of the kingdom of God. But she said, man, there's something that's here and I desire to have a piece of it. So because of Rahab's faith, we see that the Lord not only spared the lives of her and her family, but she became part of the bloodline of Jesus Christ. Because Rahab had faith to reach out to these two spies that came into her household. She was going to become a part of the most important bloodline in the history of humanity. Forever, in, in the entire history of the world, she was going to become an important part of this bloodline. You see, because she was the great-grandmother of David, Rahab gave birth to Boaz, and Boaz fathered Obed, and Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered David. Rahab's life foreshadowed the spiritual access that would be made for all Gentiles. I hope that you're getting some pieces from this story. I realize I'm, I'm kind of grabbing from different places, but by the end of this, we're going to put this big puzzle together, and you're going to understand that the story of Rahab, although it was thousands of years prior to the birth of Jesus Christ, that it has an important aspect of saying, man, God wants everybody to be a part of the citizenship of the kingdom of God. You see, Rahab was in a hopeless place where there was no future. There was nothing that was going to happen with her life. There was nothing that was was going to, to succeed there and God took her an unimportant lady and used her to begin to continue the bloodline that would one day father Jesus Christ who came into this world and was alive and well in the midst of every single one of us who would allow, allow the mankind to be saved in Jesus name and so these two spies after Rahab's request they instructed her to hang a line of scarlet thread from her window we see this in Joshua 2 and 18. They said, Behold, we come into the land. You shall bind this line of scarlet thread in the window, which thou didst let us down by. And thou shalt bring your father and your mother and your brethren and all of thy father's household home unto thee. They tell her to take this line of scarlet and to put it in her window so that when the nation of Israel begins to come through and destroy these cities, that they can see her room and know that is the one that we need to rescue. That is the family that we are not going to destroy because they were willing to protect our two spies that were in the midst of this nation. It would be the same line of scarlet thread that these two spies would climb out of the window with so that they could escape away from the city. You see, but there's more significance than even just this piece of scripture, just this line of scarlet thread. It says this, that it was the way of the escape for two spies, and it would also become the way of escape for Rahab and her entire family. This line of scarlet thread, if you begin to look into the Hebrew word, is a word that's pronounced, I believe it's pronounced tikvah. Tikvah. According to this lexicon, this word means rope, obviously, but it possesses another meaning as well. The meaning is this, expectation and hope. Dr. James Strong defined the word this way, literally a cord as an attachment, figuratively expectancy, a thing that I long for. It's important to note 
that there was another word in the Hebrew language that they could have used, and it was a word that would mean rope, that, that if they would have used that word, it would simply mean that she's going to throw a rope out the window and they're going to climb down this rope and that sort of stuff. And for us, those of us who have read through this story, maybe that's what we have thought that this has meant this entire time, that she threw a rope out the window and we think, man, it's a rope. There's no significance to that other than it's just a way that they were able to get down from the window into to freedom. And it's a way that the Israelites were able to see that, she, uh, that this house needed to be delivered. But it's actually no coincidence that this word tikvah was actually chosen. Because they were speaking about an expectancy, something that somebody would long for at a particular point. You see, this is how it begins to relate to us today. That Jesus, he provided our salvation through his blood. He is our scarlet thread. The representation that comes from this story inside of the Old Testament is showing us that at one point there is going to be something that is going to save me and you from all of the sin that is inside of this world. And it is a baby that is going to be born on Christmas morning. And when he is born and begins to grow older, that it's God in the flesh who dies on a cross. And when he dies on that cross, he becomes the scarlet thread that for every single one of us, we can say, man, there is an expectancy or something that I longed for to get free from all of this sin inside of my life. These Jewish people in the Old Testament would have said that they were expecting this Savior and they were desiring the Savior to come into their lives and be that scarlet thread that would save them from the midst of the enemy and from destruction in what was going on inside of their lives. It's like this, that Jesus changed everything by the shedding of his blood. He purchased citizenship for every single human being. That sin created a great gulf between man and God. But the blood of Jesus Christ is what bridged that gap and said no longer are the Gentiles separated from the nation of these Jewish people, but now the Gentiles like you and I can begin to become a part of the citizenship of the kingdom of God, that they can begin to participate in his church and who he is and worship and begin to understand him. It's through his blood that we begin to find salvation and, and a kingdom that we can become a part of in Jesus' name. I would encourage you to go and read that story in Joshua chapter 2 because you will also see that these spies gave her a specific plan and said, hey, we want you to be inside of your house when our nation comes and attacks. We want you to gather your family and have them inside of the house when we attack. And we will promise you that if you are inside of your house, then you will see salvation as a result of listening to these instructions. But they also cautioned her and said, man, if anybody wanders outside of that room into the city, streets, we cannot promise that they will not be hurt or harmed or destroyed by the battle that is going to happen around your household. It begins to relate to today again that God has given us a specific plan for how he wants salvation to take place inside of our lives. That there is a baptismal tank we go down in, in the name of Jesus for all sins to be remitted. That we lift our hands and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and we speak in other tongues as his spirit fills us in Jesus' name. And as we begin to do that, we want a holy life that takes place as a result of that. But what we are doing is we are putting ourselves in the safety of God's kingdom because God absolutely promises us that, man, if we are in the midst of his safety, if we are in the midst of his salvation, then he promises us we will one day go on to heaven and not have to worry about our chances of making it to heaven. But if we step outside of that and we begin to do things on our own and say, man, I know on my own way how I can make it to heaven and I think it's this way or that way and I'm not going to listen to scripture then we put ourselves in danger of being destroyed by the battle that is going to happen around this world in Jesus name so tonight every single one of us let's make a commitment that we are going to get into the salvation plan of Jesus Christ that we are going to listen to it and take heed to it and not struggle with it as much as we, we, we sometimes do and say God if it says it inside of your scripture I want a piece of it and a part of it in Jesus' name. We want to become a part of the kingdom of God. Because through the blood of Jesus Christ, we see that all the privileges of citizenship are available to us. 
that the privileges of citizenship are available to us. A scarlet thread, as Carlos put in the comments. Scarlet line. Just look that up. It's a scarlet line, a scarlet thread. We, we, we sing the songs about the, the scarlet uh, the blood that flows and, and that sort of thing. I can't remember that exact lyric, so you all will have to look those up. But we sing these things because of the relationship there together. That it was a salvation for Rahab and her family. And today, even though some of us may be facing destruction and things and insurmountable stuff, man, we are facing the blood of Jesus Christ, knowing that there is salvation in that name. No other name by which we must be saved. So all of the privileges of citizenship, that they now become available to every single person because of the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. No matter what your past has been like, no matter your involvement in different things, no matter your, your circumstances right now, even if you're struggling with the things of God, believe me, His mercy and grace is greater than the struggle that you're in right now. And you can recover from that and say, God, I want to put my citizenship back in your court, not inside of this world around me, but God, I want to be a citizen of your kingdom. You see, another privilege of salvation is that we have been brought near to God. We have been brought near to who He is. We have been brought near to His kingdom. And because we have been washed in the blood of the Lamb, we have been given unlimited access to God's person and to His presence. And if you want to know how you become washed in the blood of Jesus Christ tonight, all that you have to do is call us up, put your name in these comments, get a hold of us on Messenger, text somebody inside of this church and say, I desire to be washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And what we do is we go back there and we have this tank it's a very nice baptismal tank and man we take this heated water and we put it in there it's very nice it, it, it's comfortable it's very easy and you just walk down into this tank and we pronounce a few words and we say in the name of Jesus Christ we baptize you and we put you down in that water fully under and we bring you right back it's just a split second and you are completely cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ it's a representation and we can go into a whole Bible study but if you desire to have the, that closeness with God, that closeness with his presence, that privilege that comes with being a citizen of his kingdom, then you must be baptized in Jesus' name to have that blood completely draw you to that place. It sounds very simple, doesn't it? And it absolutely is. And at that moment, you get access to God's presence and his person like never before. You will begin to speak to him and he will speak back to you. You will begin to understand more things inside of scripture than you ever have before in Jesus' name. Because the cool thing was that he has the power, Jesus has the power to break any barrier that may be inside of your life. And it is only in Christ Jesus that we can take ourselves from being strangers or people who do not have a nation or people who are alone. It's only through Jesus that we can go from that into a citizenship of the church and in his kingdom in Jesus' name. It's by his death, it's by his saving grace that we come into these things. And so I want you to think, how can someone begin to experience a relationship with God? How can someone begin to experience a relationship with God? And I have just explained that to you here tonight. I continue on because my time is running short due to this computer glitch. But you see, another benefit of a citizenship in the kingdom of God is that we have peace with others. We have peace with one another. Many of the covenant people of God had developed an innate dislike for one another. They began to put up these walls of partition between one another. Paul described this wall of partition. I believe it's in scripture here. We have peace with others. But Paul described this partition. He said, for he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of the partition between us. He was addressing this, saying that there were things going on at this particular time. And you see, it was the enemy or the hatred that existed between the Jews and the Gentiles even up to this point. This is after Jesus died on the cross, and Paul is in this particular moment. And you see that the Jews and the Gentiles still have a hatred towards one another. 
The Jews thinking the Gentiles still cannot participate in their sacred rituals and their law and that sort of thing that was going on. But the Gentiles saying, man, if they're going to be that rude, then I'm going to hate them just as much as they hate me. And it's this back and forth kindergarten stuff that begins to come into the church at this particular time where they are building these walls that are coming between their people. So Paul directly addresses this. And you see, the enmity was created because the law of commandments contained in ordinances of the Old Testament. I think that's the next scripture here. He says this, that having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in the ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. I understand that that's King James scripture there, but what he is saying, what Paul is speaking to these people, is that Jesus Christ has broken down the wall that has divided you for far too long. He's saying Jesus Christ has stepped in here, broke down that wall, and these enmity things that are going on between you, you need to begin to dismiss it, because you are not two bodies of people anymore, but you are now one new church, one new body that is meant to move the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Jews were allowing their law to affect their attitude towards the Gentiles. And the same attitude existed in the Gentiles toward the outsiders. And both parties were guilty of sin. And both needed to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. If there's anything that we must remind ourselves of as people of God, we must remind ourselves that no one is better than anyone else and that every single one of us must have the blood of Jesus Christ inside of our lives to be cleansed from sin. That even if somebody has committed horrible atrocities and that sort of thing, man, if the blood of Jesus can begin to come into that situation, that sin can be forgiven inside of their lives. That's one thing I struggle to explain to people over and over again because they have such hatred for some people inside of their lives that they say, man, I will never be able to forgive that person. I will never be able to think that God could forgive that person. But let me remind you, you needed the blood of Jesus just as much as that person next to you needs the blood of Jesus. We are all human in the midst of this thing. And let's forgive people. Let's begin to push that aside and say, God, you have forgiven me, so I forgive them. And not only do I forgive them, God, but I pray that you forgive them for their sins as well. God, because I don't want to see them go to a burning hell for all of eternity. They may have said something that is hurtful toward me. God, they may have said something that tore my heart. God, they may have something that was despairing in my life. But God, I don't want to see them go to hell for just a simple mistake inside of some of these things. I know it can be hard. I know it can be tough. But the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us. So let's let it begin to cleanse other people and not become like the Jews and the Gentiles of saying, man, I'm a Christian, so I don't have to worry about that person. No, that's not what the, the way it is. We got to tear down those walls and say the blood of Jesus Christ is for everyone, for all nations, for all people, for everybody that needs him. And so as a result of this, we can see that Jesus becomes our peace. In Ephesians 2 and 14, what we just read. He becomes our peace, and in him all the nations of the world are made into one body, one functional organism that brings glory to Jesus, every one of us. I don't feel that anybody inside of our church is racist or that sort of thing, but man, there's some people out there that certainly believe that, that there's certain races that have power over others and that sort of stuff. It, I pray against that stuff. It is just despicable to think that that is even allowed or alive inside of our world. But God has dissolved that, the national barriers, in order to create something new, the church of the living God. Right now, as I speak to you tonight, even around the world, in many different places, people are being baptized, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. They're speaking in tongues just like all of us. Some of them are probably even speaking American when they're speaking in tongues. I mean, it's just so many different things that are going on inside of this world. And just because we have the favor of God right now doesn't mean that we're any better than anybody else. Man, we are all together in one body. And it would be the coolest thing to just have a conference where all of us can come together. But there will be one day when we are in heaven and we will all be in that citizenship 
fellowship of the kingdom of God and we will all be able to dance together and then we will see how small Youth Congress really was compared to all the millions of people that were alive inside of the world. I just recently heard a testimony of, of a pastor who um, was in Africa and, and, or a missionary in Africa and he was saying, man, I, you know, we're in this place where we can't promote our church services. We can't tell people that we we're having church services or, or any of these sort of things because of the, um, the, uh, uh, the, the religion there. I can't think of it right now off the top of my head, but um, the, the, the terrorism. and uh, Man, I don't know why I can't think of that. If somebody can drop that in the comments for me, do it, uh, because my, my mind is drawing a blank. But just that, that religion there that just overwhelms them. Um, and, and so the ladies there, they have to wear these, uh, you know, the, these, uh, they have to cover their faces and their, their entire bodies and just completely uh, put themselves in this place that is tough. And so he said he was in the midst of this service and this lady walked in just fully clothed in all of these garments. And they don't usually have that because, uh, you know, usually if somebody's going to do that, it's, it means that they, they, they need to be worried because their husbands will be shortly following them to destroy the church. Yes, Muslims. Yes, the, the, the Muslim area. And so these, these hardcore Muslims. Muslims in this nation want to destroy this missionary and his churches and that sort of thing. So he, he said that they were having this service and this lady walked in in all of the, this clothing and he was worried about what was going to happen. But he said as they continued having church and worship at the beginning of church, this lady slowly began to take off the veil and the dark clothing that she had on. And underneath, she had on, on a dress and, and apostolic clothing just like the rest of us would. And she began to dance and praise and sing unto God. And he was thinking, what on earth is going on here? I, I saw this lady come in and I thought that something terrible was going to happen, but then she strips all of that off and begins to, to dance like Jesus, just like a normal person inside of this church building. And he said that what it was, was this, this lady was just oppressed by her husband, that she was required to be in the Muslim religion by her husband. But she knew and she had heard about the apostolic people, and so secretly she was living out the apostolic lifestyle inside of her own household. And so she knew that she could come to church to those places and she had experienced it enough already that she knew how to dance Jesus. She knew how to speak in tongues. And so even in the midst of oppression from her husband, she still searched the scriptures out. She still lived for the kingdom of God. My goodness, we have people all over this world, all over this, this kingdom that we can become part of, of citizens with in Jesus' name. And it's one functional organism that we come together inside of that in Jesus' name. So we must be accepting of all of this. I have to hurry on because, my goodness, I am drawing close and getting too excited about too much stuff here tonight. It says this, that our new citizenship also carries responsibilities. That as a citizen of a country, you have to pay taxes and obey the laws. We also have responsibilities that we must do as citizens of the kingdom of God. First of all, we must love one another. We must love one another with a passion and with a desire. There is no room in the church of the living God for racial tension or for barriers. There is no room of that in the kingdom of God. Today's culture is saturated with bigotry and hatred for others. And Jesus told us that in the last days, because iniquity would abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But also listen to this, that Jesus also revealed that nation shall arise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. But hear me out on side of this scripture here. I used to think of this as nation as we describe it in the English language versus nation. United States versus Britain. United States versus, uh, I mean, these other places, whatever it may be. That's what I used to think about in this scripture. But the word nation is actually the Greek word ethnos. And this is where we derive the word ethnicity from. So let's go back to this scripture here that Jesus tells us ethnicity shall rise against ethnicity. Talk about a prophecy of the current times that we are involved in right now. Ethnicity versus ethnicity. Even inside of a country, ethnicity versus ethnicity. Jesus warned us about this. 
And he said that it has no place inside of the church or in the kingdom of God. That we are meant to rise above these barriers and walls and say, man, every person, whoever wants to have a part of it, I'm going to teach them Bible studies. I'm going to reach for them and show them that it does not matter what ethnicity they are a part of. They can be a part of the citizenship of the kingdom of God. You see, all have received a new name because they have been born again in our first class citizens in the city of God with all the rights and the privileges of native born citizens. That's why you shouldn't get jealous of somebody who comes into the church and immediately begins to experience the presence of God. And right away they begin dancing and worshiping and singing unto God. And it's their first experience of it. And I have seen this before of somebody getting jealous of them and saying, man, who do they think they are that they can come in here in the first service and do this and that sort of stuff. But you know what? That has no place in the kingdom of God. Because according to scripture, man, as soon as somebody links into the citizenship, they are just like like the rest of us, and man, we can all begin to dance and shout and worship together in Jesus' name. And in fact, we should encourage it more. We should be the ones that are going wild in here and praising God and singing unto his name so that we encourage these other fellow citizens, somebody who is brand new in this thing, to do very much so the same thing. It's not that we put on a show, but we want them to see how much joy and hope is in the kingdom of God in Jesus' name. You see, second, we must overcome the world. So first, we must love one another. But second, we must overcome the world. Hebrews 11.30 says this, that by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. And by faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. You see, Rahab had overcome the world. She knew that she needed to love people. She had heard about the kingdom of God, and she knew that she must overcome what was around her to do what was right. She hid those spies inside of her household. She told the guards that the spies were not there. She completely protected the men of God because she had faith and she understood that she could not be like everybody else inside of the world. She stood out amongst them. The extent of Christ's indwelling depends upon the level to which we allow him to develop our faith. The faith is not just the initial act of believing or saying, I believe that there is a God in heaven and that he can do these great things. It's not just saying, I believe in the Bible or I believe in this or I believe in that. But it is the act, it is working through these things, the enduring faith that can withstand trials and temptations that says, man, even if COVID robs me of every single thing inside of my household, I am going to be like Rahab and I am going to overcome that and say, I have faith in Jesus Christ. Christ, that he will help me to overcome this situation. It is the hope that we have as the church. It is the joy that we have as the church that, man, when we get linked in with this citizenship, we don't have to fear anymore. We don't have to fear about having food on our tables. We don't have to fear about our jobs and what may happen. Man, we can just say, God, I trust in you that you are going to take us through this. We don't have to fear what the government does against us because we can say, God, you did it before and I believe you will do it now and reach those people who need reach in Jesus name. We are rooted and grounded in his love and we must let that faith in his love continue through us in Jesus' name. It's not just an intellectual acceptance of historical facts, not just an intellectual decision to make Jesus Lord, but faith is a life-changing experience, an ongoing process. It is a decision to take up your cross and begin to follow him through all the battles you might face. You see, without love, our desire to claim what Christ has made available will only result in our consuming these blessings according to our own lusts. We must eliminate greed and replace it with a firm foundation. Love for God, His purpose, and His people is the only foundation upon to build one's heart as a holy place where Christ can dwell. So let me ask you this question here. I'm, I'm close tonight. But I want you to think about this. You don't have to respond back to it. Think about it in your own life, though. What must change in your life in order to live fully by faith? What must change in your life in order to live fully by faith? 
for someone, maybe that text message of saying, hey, I heard about getting cleansed of the blood of Jesus. I want to get baptized. For someone that may be stepping through these front doors for the first time. For somebody else who has been in this for a while, it may be a little bit more severe than that. But we must live in these things here. So that brings us to our third point here. That we must live in the promise. We must live in the promise. We love one another. We overcome the world. And then we live in the promise. We have the opportunity to become a part of the story. When Paul prayed for the Ephesian church, he ended his prayer with praise and thanksgiving. He said this, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. God can transcend anything we could ever ask or anything we could ever think. You see, this is basically describing him as super abundantly able to do these things inside of our lives. And because we serve that God, we can turn around and give him praise. It's praise that is definitely in order for all situations, no matter what we are going through. That even if it's a tough situation, we can say, God, I'm thankful that you're still here in the midst of this with me. I am thankful that your blood has cleansed me so even though I may get hurt here in this present world, man, I can still go to heaven and live with you one day that I can still be in your presence in a particular place in Jesus' name. You see, it's in need, it's desired for all situations. The deposit of Christ's presence in us through the Holy Ghost is the power God uses to work super abundantly. We as the church of God, we must awaken to our potential and allow it to work the reality of God's purpose in every single one of us. That we don't live here just so that we can work. We don't live here just so that we can raise families. We don't live here just so that we can have fun and and do fun things and that sort of stuff. But we live here for God's purpose. There's something that is so much more. There is a depth that is there. You see, it's our position in Christ. that Just like Rahab was saved, we have that chance in our lives as well. In Jesus' name. It says this in this story, that it had been a long journey, some 90 miles, and all had been traveled on foot. Though the weary days of travel, he he wondered about his companion. Would she be able to complete this trip Would they make it in the time to be counted? The passage was no great feat for a healthy man, but for an expectant mother, it was a treacherous ordeal. What about the child? The birth could come at any time. The small town had few lodgings, and it was crowded with visitors. The government had made no exceptions, and everyone must return to their place of birth. Many others had arrived ahead of this weary pair, and by the time they had arrived, sadly, there was no rooms available, not a single one. And without complaint, they took shelter inside of a stable. It was really more of a cave than a building, though at least it offered some protection from the elements. It should be enough for this brief visit, and after registering with the census, they would head north again. But that was not to be. For that very night, the birth pains began, and with hours, the child had been delivered, wrapped in crude clothes and laid on a stable's only manger. So it would be that this boy was born in Bethlehem, the town of his father Joseph, and the town of his father Jacob, and of his father, on and on for generations and generations, reaching to the great kings of Israel, David and Solomon, and beyond them to their forefathers, even to Boaz, the son of Salmon, whose mother had been Rahab. Once a foreigner to God's people, she had displayed great faith and courage at the battle of Jericho. And for her faith, she had been given citizenship. She had been brought into God's kingdom and adopted into God's family. So by faith, even this woman who had been cut off from God and completely without hope became an ancestor of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, of the world. As citizens in God's kingdom, we have been given great blessings 
and great responsibilities. Who knows what God may do in us and through us as we live out the promise of our calling in Jesus' name. I truly believe that tonight, that if we become citizens of the kingdom of God, he will use you to do things that you have never expected, never thought before. You may not be famous. You may not be the president of the United States. You may not have a lineage that goes to Jesus Christ. However, there are souls that need reached, and that counts so much more of speaking to people and reaching this world around us tonight in Jesus' name. So I want to encourage you, become a citizen of the kingdom of God in Jesus' name. Let's lift our hands and thank God tonight. Lord, we are so thankful for the bloodline that you have given Jesus, the blood that you have shed for every single person who is here on this live stream tonight. God, I pray that you would impact, God, that you would reach and you would touch every soul. God, help us to have a desire to be a citizen inside of your kingdom, to show others how great it is to be a citizen inside of your kingdom, God. Put a desire and a hunger in those in our city, God, to be like Rahab, to reach out and to touch you, to see your salvation in so many different ways, God. I pray that you would richly bless every one of these who have made a commitment to you to say that they are not going to take the easy way or what the world wants them to, but they are going to love one another and put up a fight for one another. God, and battle the things around to become citizens inside of your kingdom, Lord. I believe tonight that that authority and your power and your presence will fall upon every single one of them, no matter where they are at. Jesus, we are so thankful for what you have done, and we are thankful for this season and this month in Jesus' wonderful name. God, we give you the glory and the praise for all of what has happened here tonight. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen and amen. In Jesus' name. I am thankful for what God has done here tonight. And again, I apologize for the computer interruption, but there is so much inside of this lesson. I encourage you to go back and read through those scriptures and search them out and see truly what God wants to reveal inside of that. We are citizens of the kingdom of God, so let's live like it. Let's love one another and have a passion for his kingdom in Jesus' name. Go forward tonight. Have a wonderful night. We will see you Sunday morning again. Please wear a mask as you come to church. You can take it off if you're six feet away from others. And then don't forget that we will be having a candlelight service at the end of this month on the 24th. And so we want to celebrate Jesus' birth together. And it's going to be an exciting time, a wonderful time to just glorify him and who he is. Do that this season. Just take some time and glorify him for what he has done. Thanks again. I praise, uh, praise God for you all. And I am so thankful for you being here. In Jesus' wonderful name. Have a wonderful night. In Jesus' name.